I do want to bring up this discussion because it's good to get both sides of the story. Not tonight. You're not on the list. Hello, I'm Conor McLoon and welcome to the You're Not On The List podcast produced for Rewind That Track. On this podcast, we interview, dive deep and take a journey into the lives of those in the music industry. Everything from backstage to onstage, we're here to chat to the people that make up the scene. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, thanks very much for checking it out. If you haven't already, can you hit that follow button on Spotify or Apple Music? And can you give us a five-star rating if you enjoy the series? If you're a returning fan, absolutely appreciate it as well. Love you. Love everybody that's listening to this. Love everybody that's subscribed to it. Really appreciate it. My guest this week is quickly becoming one of the most exciting acts in Garage with support from the likes of UKF, Scream, Jaguar and 140 and playing up and down the country on a weekly basis, it's ghoulish. During this episode, we discuss how to change your music style and output without losing your fans you'd already built up. It's actually the opposite. More people started to actually like me more. People could hear that I was probably having more fun making Garage. Getting pulled off stage by bouncers during his own set. And I was opening for Hatcher and Casper uh, in Manchester. And I got pulled off the stage by a security. And he's like, what the fuck? And how we're both part of a semi-exclusive gang. Uh, the Grey Fox gang, where we've both been turning grey <laughs> before the age of like fucking 25 for our like yeah. lives. We just got to embrace it, mate. We got, we should, like anyone in the music industry, we should have like a support group for like, everyone that's going grey. My guest this week featured in UKF's One to Watch in 2022. Since then, he's played at Warehouse Project, Lab 11, been supported on BBC Radio 1 by the likes of Scream and Jaguar, and had releases on 140. So it's fair to say that UKF were right, and it sounds like he's only just getting started. It's Adam Harper, aka Ghoulish. How's it going, fella? Easy, mate. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. It's a bit wet and miserable. I had a bit of a hectic week, to be honest with you. But um, I'm now off work for like the next five days. I've just, I've got loads of holiday to use at the end of the year. I've just booked off random days. So I am, uh, I'm going to be chilling for the next five days, to be honest with you. Oh, that's what we love to wear. I'm in the same boat, you know. I do actually, yeah. I've got like five days, so like a week off. I need to book. Yeah. I'm like, oh, when should I use it? When should I? I'm thinking oh, about mate, I've done for like literally... I got to the end of the year and I was just like, I literally had like 11 days left and I, or like 12, like something mad that was wait, like basically like at the start of November. I was like, right, I can't just book all of Christmas off or everything. So I've just taken loads of Thursdays and Fridays <laughs> off. So it's just like a nice, I just keep having long weekends every weekend. So yeah. I should actually be nice and uh, relaxed. But to be honest with you, I've been a bit uptight and stressed at the moment. But it is what it is. We move, we move. It's just life, isn't it? The world's fucked at the moment, pretty mad. So you can't really, uh, you can't really help everything else that's going on with it. You just got to roll with the punches. Uh, which is yeah is that's it yeah which is uh which is not ideal um which is not ideal uh, looking ahead obviously we're talking there in november time have you got any um have you got any big bookings for the big old new year's eve at all coming up uh well i've got one i was potentially coming through i got a message last night so fingers crossed i think it'd be manchester okay. which is okay. good uh i nice. did one last year was a bit of a strange one uh played like a bit of an awkward time and uh we have an odd venue like it's not it's not a bad venue it's just in a it's in trafford park Bit weird. Traffic, so Traffic Park. This what, year was it the big warehouse C-Center. one? Like, uh, not big warehouse, but well, yeah, it's in a warehouse, like where they do all the boxing and stuff as well. No, it wasn't that. It was a uh, uh. six tree, which is like a micro brew. But it was just oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. I know. Um, uh, yeah, we had Rich Reason. Yeah, Rich Reason from Hit and Run <laughs> on one of the first episodes. Uh, and I think he did one of his like, last couple of Hit and Run uh, shows there. And they're supposed to be quite good. Like, But you said, yeah, it's like yeah. a microbrewery that's got actually a pretty decent outside sort of like covered area in like the, like for raves and stuff, hasn't it? Yeah. 
it's just in a weird area. Like we were just yeah. like, oh, so weird. It was cool as fuck. I was like, this is just weird though. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've got anything really for, for New Year's Eve. Like it's a bit of a mad one. Like people we've had on the podcast before and even like mates, it's like, it's quite difficult. There's a lot of pressure in there on New Year's Eve. I know it's like a stereotype or a bit of a meme, but a lot of pressure to have like a, a really big, mad, big time um, uh, on that I, day. And it's I like- I care uh, for it, me, to be honest. I go to a pantomime with family usually. No, yeah. I just go to a pantomime with family and just get pissed. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, you go to a pantomime every yeah. New Year's Eve. That's quite wholesome. Yeah, because- yeah, because basically, like a little niece and stuff like that, and she, yeah, I'm, but my family's pretty it's not big. It's like kind of a medium sized family. Yeah, and like we'll bring like my sister's stepdaughter, my my niece, and stuff like that, and we all just go to a pantomime. Then mm. watch it. We have a few beers, good laugh. The kids have a good time, and I go home. And if you play the show, cool. If not, I just have a few drinks with my family or go see my mates. Not tonight. You're not on the list. Hi, it's Ghoulish, and you're listening to the You're Not on the List podcast for Rewind That Track. So if we were sort of, because uh, there'll be lots of people listening to this podcast that come from like different musical backgrounds and like they might be into like drum and bass or they might be into like other like music yeah. or maybe not into like electronic music at all. How would you sort of describe your sound or describe your sort of um, production to people that were listening? It's a bit of a strange one because like I wouldn't really, like, I've kind of been like bagged in with like the garage a lot, which is great because I mm-hmm. absolutely adore garage. But I wouldn't just say that I do garage. I kind of just like, I kind of like all music and it's the thing like, so I would just say it's just UK like dance music to be honest because I don't want to yeah. be like oh I'm garage because like I play a set and I'm definitely got ADHD or something because I go from garage to like techno to like drum bass and to dubstep to, it goes all over the shop yeah. somehow I make it work and that's like what I like doing and when in my old production even though like a lot of the stuff I'm doing right now is like predominantly garage I yeah. still try and like bring all my other influences from music that I really like into it so yeah. it's like a bit of a melting pot really of the UK sound I'd like to say yeah, I get that. I like a lot of people won't necessarily pigeonhole themselves because, like you said, if you say you're just one music and then people come to see you doing that and you're like spreading around, then they might feel obviously like they've been sort of like cheated. You might feel cheated because you don't want to be like, I'm not just playing one type of genre, <laughs> or I'm not typing one type of music. So, uh, yeah, I respect that. Like, I totally understand why and um, why people want to do that. So, if you were to sort of like talk about the um, the origins of like music in your life, so whether that was sort of like earliest raves growing up, if that was sort of like music that was on around the house, if you remember seeing like first albums you were listening to at school or anything like that where was sort of like your roots um in the music industry so it's kind of mad um they didn't really have like a, that much of a musical upbringing like no one's musical in the family uh yeah. my mum and dad just kind of like the radio did, my dad was like into like classical rock and like acdc and stuff like that and my mum was big dad into, rock like, disco. style dad rock style yeah, yeah, yeah proper like dad rock and then uh i think i really started like getting into music probably just before high school so like year seven so it's like 11 12 and i got a letter through the door before i went to high school like do you want to play an instrument so i was like don't know why i was just like yeah i fancy playing the drums and guitar i'm shit at guitar i can't play guitar yeah. for shit but drums i did really well in and i started like doing like jazz drumming and then like, like mm-hmm. rock drumming and metal drumming and that was like a big influence to me so for like out oh, like 11 12 to like 18 i was drumming but like around about 16 i really just started getting into djing and the big reason for that was because when i was like 11 12 13 i obviously discovered like youtube and stuff mm-hmm. and i found like avici making uh dancing in my head which is like a remix for i can't remember who it was for but he did a remix and i was like how the hell this is amazing he did like a whole studio breakdown i was like infatuated mm-hmm. by that and then i watched a tomorrowland 2012 after mover and that was like whoa but then from there i discovered like dubstep uh, and the hard stuff mm-hmm. like skrillex and then i found osler which is skrillex's label and they did like loads of after films and that really was like i want to do that I was just mm. like, I don't know why. I was like, I want to do that. That is so cool. So I kind of started like discovering production, like from like 12, 13. Wasn't producing, but I was like aware of it. Yeah. And like 16, I picked up a garage band slash logic. Yeah. And I just started messing around. And then it was just like from there going from like, 
I think it started off with like house, dubstep, like the bro step stuff, like rhythm. Yeah. Uh, there's like a lot of like trap. Uh, and then basically from like 18 to like 20, 21, I was really into like heavy, heavy, heavy dubstep. Yeah, and yeah. I started building my ghoulish alias through that. And that's kind of like why I stepped into the garage scene with like quite a few thousand followers because I was doing like heavy dubstep. Right, well, I like okay, I right, right, right. It's interesting when that, because <laughs> like um, to go that way around where there's a couple of, I'm trying to think now, I was about to say there's a couple of artists that do it, but I don't want to say that and then not be able to think off the top of my head. But where you sort of like <laughs> were saying about EDM and bro step and that sort of like um American sort of side of like uh, like the bass sound um, and yeah. then sort of transitioning into into a lighter sound. It's interesting to go that way around <laughs> as opposed to just, bur- just belch off screen. Yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about that. <laughs> it's interesting to go that way around as like sort of mellowing out slightly if you could call it mellowing out where you're sort of like lower bpm sort of like lower sort of intensity because obviously like like that american bro step sound and everything that was like front case and everything like that was quite hard and yeah, like yeah. quite heavy and stuff um to then sort of like take it a bit more mellow and sort of bring the bpm down a little bit and to sort of like do it that way and still have a success um is interesting did you find that there was much of a fall off with like your followers at the time or like following or did most people sort of like transition with you in that sound Oh, no, it was actually the opposite. More people started to actually like me more, even though oh, it was wicked. all like... Because like, when I was doing like heavy dubstep, I mean, I still into big into like metal and like hardcore and stuff like yeah. that. A lot of like the aesthetics and like music style was very like intense and dark mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it was mad because I feel like the reason I probably carried on a lot more people is because people could hear that I was probably having more fun making Garage. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like, I'm big into like sound design and stuff like that. still am. Still about trying to like do good mixed sounds and that's like a whole other topic. But yeah. I really did find uh, that a lot of the like the dubstep fans were like, oh, it's actually really cool. And then a lot of people, especially uh, a lot of the UK dubstep artists that I was doing that like, rhythm, they've actually started to actually prefer this sort of stuff rather than mm. the old stuff, which I, I'm I'm happy for because to be honest, listening back to my old stuff, it was pretty like, eh, it was just sort of somewhat right with it. And when I was like writing tunes, it took me like three or four months to write a tune. And that was like such a massive indicator that it wasn't for me. But I was yeah. always like in the background, mixing garage, mixing house, uh, like all the UK like centric genres like grime and stuff and it just made sense like after this like had, like a year or two period where I basically had like a breakdown of like what the hell am I doing with music yeah. I was like why don't I just not do that and then literally within the first two tracks that I released uh, it, it kind of just went like wildfire with the garage stuff uh, and so it was really cool really to be honest because it's just kind of skyrocketed in the last year and a half of me the last episode that we had, uh, we had Opidan on it. Do you know her? Like, uh, oh yeah, she's cracking. Yeah, wicked. So we were talking about sort of garage and and different scenes and different genres. So she lives down in Bristol when we were talking about drum and bass and how there's like a lot of purists down there and a lot of people that really, really are into the music and might be sort of slightly with a pinch of salt, narrow-minded in like, you have to yeah. like this type of drum and bass or like this type of drum and bass is wank or this type of da-da-da-da. And um, we were speaking about how garage seems to be one of the few sort of genres where everyone sort of like she was like it's fun to make and the crowd want to have fun they're not there to sort of be like oh do you know this gene like this is the this is the wrong type of garage or this is the wrong type of thing there and i was like yeah like we were having a discussion about it and it's like one of those industries and that scenes everything that's going on with like kiwi everything that's going on with them um, like 140 and all the other sort of labels that are going out there like putting out new garage and stuff um seem to be like all the djs and when you watch the crowd and everything it's like it was actually quite an open-minded and welcoming scene 
and welcoming sort of shows and everyone wants to have fun as opposed to standing there at the back, like nodding your head, like not even moving. So mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I know this tune or like, you know, like this is that. So it's quite interesting that obviously when you moved over to that industry and moved on to over to that genre, that people were accepting of it and were like, cool. And like, oh yeah, sick, this is a new sound, but like, we're going to go with it. And like, everyone's like that as opposed to like potentially in some of the genres, you might get people being like, oh, well, this isn't what he was originally making. Or like this isn't as good as this genre, so I'm not going to follow it. So yeah, exactly. it's, um, it's interesting to sort of see that. And it's quite a positive thing in the music industry because obviously there can be a lot of a lot of like uh, negative things in there sometimes and so to actually be like oh this is this scene is it's thriving and it's open-minded and it's inclusive and welcoming of new people and like the vibe like is great and like the people are just trying to have a good time as opposed to being like a music type snob yeah i mean that's the big thing about it that's the thing i found like really interesting because like you say drum bass dubstep shows you go into like a drum bass or dubstep show all you're going to expect is drum bass and dubstep Mm. Whereas you go to like these garage raves, they might be quote unquote a garage rave. You're not just going to hear garage all night. This is what I really like about the scene. Mm. So like when I do a set, like I say, I'm, I'm quite versatile. And like a lot of the DJs that I'm watching and like a lot of people that I support and stuff like that, no one's playing like a full garage set because mm. without sounding like an idiot or a dick or anything, it's not that fun to mix one genre for, as a DJ anyway. I don't find it. I mean, obviously some people will, but for me personally, no. Um, mm. So what I find like, really cool is like, yeah, like everyone kind of unifies in garage because I feel like, Maybe it's just where it sits in like the sort of energy range. It's like the perfect cross section from like yeah. down tempo to like it, the harder stuff. But also you have like some of the harder stuff in that like BPM. Yeah, genre, so like you, you obviously you've got like a UK funky that you could bring into it. You like you said you mentioned they're the darker side. So you got people at like LB or stuff like old sort of classic yeah. garage where it's actually quite dark and bits. But then you can obviously mix in commercial. And then the one thing that garage obviously really lends itself to is like a lot of bootlegs. Uh, that people mm-hmm. are bootlegging like pop tunes and bootlegging bits and pieces. You can sort of mix it in and sort of, yeah, it's quite a diverse uh, genre to be able to like mix in different bits and pieces. And like you said, then it sort of keeps the the crowd on their toes. Um, having said that, the one, the one thing that I do remember in my head, and obviously it's wicked, obviously now people like yourselves, conductor, like um, Semi Virgin, everyone that are coming through and sort of making this new wave of garage. Like when I was at uni in like 2013, 14, if you went to like garage events, it, so this was just before like, uh, like so I remember Skepsis was like doing some of his first shows and stuff when we were at that thing so it's like before like the the new period of baseline and UK bass had its like sort of second incoming and it was like that the Garage Nation shows like we'd go there and they would literally like you'd, you'd listen to the same set basically for like six hours I don't want to throw <laughs> any DJs under the bus but there was this period of time yeah. where like there wasn't necessarily new lots of new Garage being made around that sort of period and it was probably just before like 2016 when like new wave of Garage and new kg and everything like that was being made again but so they were just playing the same sort of like 200 tracks um in every single set and it was like people like going to garage nation but you'd go to one show and you'd be like i'm never going to that again because i don't need to because they're just all playing <laughs> the most like bbc radio one sort of garage tunes into there and like i don't want to throw any like djs under the bus but they were like really really big djs you'd be like you guys haven't spoke at all obviously before your set so you know obviously like if you go to any other shows it's like right you wouldn't play the headliners tracks if you were supporting them or whatever yeah. because there was like no sort of headliners there and it was just all people that play garage but there wasn't any new garage at the time it was just like you were seeing the same thing over and over and over again and it was like oh that's dead so it is now wicked like, like i said you boys and girls and everyone else that are coming through that are making sort of like this new ukg and sort of like some of it's minimal some of it's really dark some of it lends itself to like how some of it lends itself to like uk funky or two-step or stuff like that it's wicked to see obviously a lot of variety in there and then you can do some bits and pieces obviously like go totally left field finishing on drum and bass i know obviously like interplanetary interplanetary fuck me i can't even say his word interplanetary <laughs> why can't i say the word it's interplanetary IPC, criminal IPC. yeah IPC, <laughs> interplanetary criminal is finishing his uh all of his sets on like don 
bonk and everything at the moment, obviously like speeding yeah, up yeah. and like uh, and finishing bits and pieces. So those little those little fresh bits now that are coming into sets does mean, like you said, that garage sets aren't the same at all now, regardless of who you're going to see. It's wicked yeah. to see that and it keeps it fresh and it keeps it lively. And um, yeah, it just helps the scene grow, doesn't it? Yeah, massively. I mean, it's just like, I think that's why I'm so like, I, I love the garage scene so much. It's because it's not just a garage scene. It's just, I just call it like a music scene now. It's just like a, I just call it, like I said, I don't really want to say, oh, you, like, it's just a garage scene. It's just a UK club scene. And I feel like the UK scene in general is unlike the sort of UK sound is super like unified. Like everyone like kind of supports each other. There's no like, there's no beef or anything like that. You know, you might have an odd few people that like, won't see eye to eye or whatever, but from like, there's no bother. It's just like make music, have a bit of a laugh and you know, mm. that's it. Because that's all it is at the end of the day. It's making music, like, you know, have a bit of a laugh. It shouldn't be too serious. Have a bit of fun. And when it's, when it like, you can hear it in the tracks, you can hear it on the DJ sets when people are having fun and they're putting like, you know, what they love into like their art. I think that's mm. what appeals to like a lot of people to the sound. Like you say, you go to a gig, people are like, oh, this is, you can tell the DJ's having fun. So we're going to have fun. And it's just, and I feel like that's like the whole like vibe throughout the UK community, to be honest. Yeah. It's very difficult. And um, the amount of times that I've seen, like if you see a DJ really having fun on stage, like giving it beans, jumping around, like having a laugh, as long as they're not like too fucked up and they're literally just <laughs> genuinely having a good time. It's very rare to see the whole crowd stood there like, no, not enjoying the night. Uh, yeah. where they will just vibe off of what they're giving it to them whether that's consciously or subconsciously you obviously anyone like even if you go to a if you go to a rave or you go to a gig or you go to a show you want you've paid money you want to have a good time like if you go to a comedy event or stuff like that you want to laugh at the comedians like you're there basically waiting for it to have a good time aren't you so yeah. it's um yeah it's, it's a it's a it's a positive atmosphere to be in and it doesn't really take a lot to be able to like like you said have the, give give the crowd sort of like a good time which is um which is which is good where does your sort of like so your sound production obviously you said you were like making um dubstep and you were making sort of like american bits and slightly heavier bits and stuff where yeah. how much did you think the the sound design you were doing before lends itself to the sound design that you're creating now like was there a lot of stuff that you could transfer over or did you have to sort of like start from scratch or like learn new drum patterns learn new bits and pieces learn new production pieces yeah, it's a bit of a strange one because without sounding like a, like egotistical, like UK club music is very stripped back, so it's quite a, a lot more simple, like the production wise. And if you know like the basis of how to make drum parts, how to sound design, it's quite a straightforward genre because like most of the bass are just like really simple, like waveforms and stuff like mm -hmm. that. The drum patterns, you know. But the thing, the big, the big difference is, is like. Um, american stuff like drum bass uh, and heavy dubstep and stuff like that it's always really overproduced so like you do learn an awful lot making that style whereas coming to like the uk stuff obviously the sounds rough and ready that's what people love about it where does the um, where does the name come from for ghoulish do you know what man i don't know like this is it's not, everyone's asked me this but the only the only memory i have right was i sat in my room i was about 16 and i really liked this dj at the time called gas he was like an american bass house dj and i was like that's okay. a really cool name and I've, I've always liked i don't know why i've always liked how a g and a h flow together okay weird really and i was just like ghoul ghoulish oh that sounds kind yeah. of cool and then i told a few people that's kind of a cool name actually i was like do you think yeah. i still don't think it is but because the branding said, for it really as well cool you've got like a lot of the stuff like grim reaper and a lot of stuff that's sort of like around there so it's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it does fit into like a flow like something that's quite dark <laughs> and other bits and pieces <laughs> and stuff like that and it's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the problem I had, though, was uh, I had, like, a bit of, like, an identity crisis, like I said, when I was going from dubstep to, like, the more UK club stuff, uh, mm -hmm. because I was like, it's ghoulish a bit dark, but at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything. Like, you literally have DJs and producers called, like, Ross from Friends and yeah, stuff like that's, that. Yeah, there's, there's a weird uh, era of that. Yeah, there's a weird era yeah, of, like, not weird, but it's, it's obviously, like, subjective. But, uh, yeah, there's, like, I feel like the last, there's the area of, like, 
three or four years, um, like four or five years ago, where there was, like you said, Ross, I don't want to throw any other, like, mention of other, there's like Ross from Friends, DJ Seinfeld, like all these other random sort of like mad names where it's yeah. just like, wow, okay, this is a bit different. But obviously, the, a name is just the name really in it because if someone gets successful enough or bigger enough, you sort of don't really think about the meaning behind the name, do you? You just associate that, <laughs> name, you that with those words with that person. We'll get onto this Sorry. now because that's all right. So I didn't know because obviously you've, uh, you got a bit of a relationship now with uh, Mr. Rolly Jones. Uh, he's been repping your music. <laughs> Saw him at Warehouse Project, bit of a collab together. Um, so I didn't know whether yeah. there was a link there between like Ghoulish and Scream, because obviously Scream is like, <laughs> just sounds like Scream, no. a little bit dark, a little bit gothic and whatever. And then you're like Ghoulish. I was like, huh. Most artists want to constantly evolve their music and production. So I spoke to Adam about the direction he wants to take his EP and how it will differ from his current sound. Uh, now I think the next I think well I've not even done an EP yet but uh, the EP that I do what I do is probably going to be like way different from what I'm doing now to be honest so oh, okay what different music you mean or well because the thing is like I've been I've been talking about this a lot on like social media so it's not like a, a hidden thing but I do want to like sort of lean into like my product like I've got I feel like I'm quite a strong producer and I feel like sometimes because I'm rushing through like making speed garage and club ready tracks mm -hmm. I want to try and, and like spend a bit more time making maybe something a bit more, I don't like, I like immersive music. So like when I listen to like Joy Orbison and Floating Points and Forte yeah, yeah, yeah. and all them, there's like, there's, there's something, it's probably not inherently mentful, but it's like there's something more to the music I find than just like Club Ready tracks, which I'm not yeah, saying yeah, Club Ready course. tracks are bad, but I feel like uh, for me personally, my favorite sort of music is something that you can play in the club, listen to at home, and then like, it's like the perfect cross section of them too. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah. So like, like, um, you can listen to it at home and be like, this is so cool and like have like a different sort of, like perspective on it and then like mm. let's do it in the club and it's a complete different vibe like i saw mm. over mono at warehouse and through their tracks like a bit vibey then you hear him in the club it's like this is awesome like what the hell i kind of yeah. want to like play into that a bit and i think that would mean like not shifting genres or styles per se but you know shifting to like a bit of a i know a more refined sound that's not just going to be for one environment let's say that yeah, and so that obviously just takes a lot more time. No, 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 it's not. It's not pretentious at all, man. I totally understand what you mean. Like tracks like Ellipsis by like Joy Orbison and like Parallel Seven yeah. and stuff by Fortet stuff, where you're like, this is a vibe. But if you drop it into the middle of a set, it's sort of like you could obviously easily drop any of those into like a, a garage set, and the, the crowd would hopefully go with you. But you, I do get what you mean. A bit more emotive, a bit more of something where that's probably taken. I mean, I don't know if it does or not, but takes a slightly longer to be in production because you're going back and forth, and you're like, right, how does this make me feel? You might have to come back to those tracks and be like because you might like get like not be able to see the trees between the woods um and like actually be like is this is this the right type of thing i do get if you've got like a if you've got a club set coming up and you're like right i want to get a new dub or i just want to get a new refix or like a um something just so i can play it out and do it there and then it's done and it's it's, it's popular but you like you said if you want to you yourself want to feel happy and content with something that can be taken in the club like listen to it at home vibing whatever um it's rare and it does really it takes a lot more time to i think to craft that type of sound and that type of tune to be able to sort of like have those classics where like you said like um yeah like anything like by body curd joy orbison forte anything that's a bit more sort of like deeper and um there yeah is, it's definitely going to take a little bit longer to create but i think the thing is too is like a perfect segue i think because like right now i feel like obviously what i'm doing is i'm absolutely loving what i'm doing i like when i try and talk about this i'm not going like i hate garage or i hate clubbies it's not that yeah. it's like i love that but i want something that i can go like obviously because I want to put my first body of work out I'll be like I want to be really really proud of it so I'll be like well, mm -hmm. I'm actually really happy with this and I want to just be like like sort of like amalgamation of all like, the stuff I love so like I'm hoping it's just like you know like, like, like I say the perfect cross section between danceable and like a bit of a vibe because that's what I love yeah, whilst, yeah. like listening to like say 
before I hopped on, listen to the new Oliver Mono tune. It's a bit like not not what you expect, but it's like this is vibe. I really like this. Like oh, so I'm trying yeah. to like, like tap into that a little bit. But the hard thing is because working full time and DJing a lot, and it's like you're balancing so much. It's like you don't really get all the time in the world to produce. So. That's the only of thing course, that mate. Yeah, you've got to be about. in the right headspace, especially if you're going to take a jump or a leap of faith as well. You've got to be in the right headspace to obviously put some time and yeah. put some hours into it. You don't want to rush it and stuff like that. And obviously, like I know we <laughs> joked about saying that, or, like I don't want it to sound pretentious at all. Like music is number one is like absolutely subjective. The only objective thing is literally like stream numbers and followers, and that's like only because it's literally like yeah. a number that you can actually count. Everything else is just people's opinion in it. There's no like sort of yeah, right or wrong to it. And number two as well, like obviously as an artist or as a band or anything. You are absolutely 100% entitled to do whatever the fuck you want with your music, haven't you? Like even bands like Archie Monkeys and other people that obviously change their sound and change their style from like over years and years and years, they're not in the wrong, even though some people might be like, oh, I don't really like this or I don't really vibe this anymore. It's like, well, their old music is still there for you to listen to. Like personally, I'm yeah. not a massive fan of like, the new Archie Monkeys album, but used to listen to them all the time and like absolutely rinse it when I was younger. But it's like, that's fine. It's just not for me anymore. They're trying a new sound. That's cool. That's calm. Like it's just a, it's just something that's different enough. It doesn't sort of like nobody has the right to be like, this is shit or this is wank. It's like, well, if it's the artist wants to do <laughs> yeah. it, they're doing it. That's their, that's the same artist that you loved before. So that's, is just their progression now. I was telling my mate this, like, say, I always like panic over stuff like this. I, I, I'm like, I'm not a perfectionist, but I'm always like, I'm scared of like to take a step sometimes. Yeah. My mate said, like, listen, look at some of the best artists in the world. Not saying I'm on that level, but he's like, you know, look at Tyler Crate and Kanye West. Like, every single album, they've changed style. And it's always been like sort of in their colloquial sound of them mm. being the artist. So, like, you might like stay from the past of what they did last time, but it's still very much them. Which yeah, yeah, of course. Would. And like, even like we were talking about him earlier, like Mr. Ollie Jones, like, um, starting off like uh, doing the dubstep bits then he had a tiny little alias as like Mr. Keys and was doing literally like mm -hmm. grime instrumentals and bits and pieces like that then went back to sort of like the bro steppy sound the American sound <laughs> then obviously finished that with Magnetic Man and himself and went into the disco period of doing bits and pieces like the Red Bull Music Academy um, yeah. Boiler Room and bits and pieces like that and then going all the way back through to obviously now like tech and like house and like minimal and other stuff like that and still being able to sort of keep it. I saw like he's doing a post about, is it like Screamism uh, 8 that's going to be coming out soon and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that'd be interesting to sort of see what's, <laughs> see what's going to be coming out on that. Um, I do like, there was <laughs> one of my biggest things. So obviously this is like a podcast or rewind that track and stuff like that. So I, did, I interviewed um, Ollie uh, in a toilet cubicle about two, three years ago. And there was like, it was a really good video. It was, it, it was very messy and very like, very open and honest, but we got like a 20, 25 minute interview with him. I was going there, it was like, um, we're going there to do a uh, interview. I can't remember the name of the club now, um, but it was in Lincoln and he was doing like a two hour set and we chatted to him loads beforehand. We're like, well, we'll shoot this video. And he's like, oh, let's try to do something interesting. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So he came up with the idea of like him sitting on the toilet in a toilet cubicle, me standing in there with him, like interviewing him on the mic and like taking a video and everything like that. <laughs> and then uh, it was a really good video online, but it could only start for two weeks. And then I got an email on Monday morning, basically being like, yeah, I've had some... Uh, had some interesting feedback about this video so do you mind if we take it down <laughs> i was like oh no like it was one of my proudest bits of work today and it was so funny but um but yeah it was very being very open and honest um in the videos and like talking about stellar sessions and all the other bits and pieces before and i was oh, like yeah. oh, fuck but, um, i'd love to be able to uh, to put that back up again but uh, yeah that was uh, jokes <laughs> time not tonight you're not on the list hi it's ghoulish and you're listening to the you're not on the list podcast for rewind that track like how have you found? I was chatting. Like I, I spoke about earlier. I, I spoke to um, Opidan yesterday on a on a podcast recording episode, and we were talking about sort of the uh, how 
the the combination of like cost of living crisis and the combination of like there just being loads of events on and like loads of lineups happening and it's just like a lot of us especially at festivals this summer it just seemed to be like there was so many lineups that were just sort of placeholder like copycats of each other and it was like we were talking about sort of Oh, it's been quite a while without like if there's a if there's a if there's a person, especially if you're in a big city, if there's an artist or an actor or whatever, and you're at an event, we're talking about FOMO and missing out and stuff like that. And if you don't see an act, like when I was younger, when I was 18, 19, 20, I used to get really bad FOMO if like if my mates were out of a rave or going to a festival or anything I wasn't going to, and I'd be like, fuck, I'm missing out. <laughs> now it just seems to be like if I don't see this person this month, I can guarantee that I will be able to go to this city or the city next door in the next three months and see them. Like there's no, there's no yeah. sort of like, um, I don't know how you feel on that, but we were just sort of being like, and I don't know what it is. Like, obviously the people need to make money. There's businesses. They need to recoup losses after the lockdown. Like there's all these other bits and pieces, like cost of living crisis going up. So the ticket prices go up and stuff like that. But she was saying that recently she's felt that clubs need, uh, are sort of slightly emptier than what they've been over the last sort of like two year or year and a bit, two years like post lockdown. And this is just because mm -hmm. of like cost of living crisis and people not going out as much. And I was just saying as well that like, yeah, a lot of the lineups seem to be missing something where you're like, this is totally new. This is something that I'm not going to be able to see like anywhere else type of thing, which is obviously great for artists and great for anyone in the music industry because there's a lot of potential there to make money and there's a lot of potential to get bookings, but it might leave um, something to be desired from like a raver's perspective of being like, oh, this lineup's basically like sort of like the same as what the other ones were. How do you feel on that? Yeah. Well, I've got like, uh, I'm not going to like name names and stuff, but I do feel like there's a massive, massive uh, problem with that, to be honest, because it's like when I was growing up, uh, when I saw lineups, I was like, this is absolutely insane. And don't get me wrong, you're going to see like, you know, the, a few similar people because of cities and just general stuff and the popularity of people. We get that, but it's getting to the point now where it seems like there's just like a group of people and it's not no one's fault that are just like, they're all mm. like getting on the same lineups. They're in the site. Well, you know, it's always we can like be polite. We can say it's no one's fault or we could sort of, because it's we've I've touched on the podcast before. Realistically, like, in a wicked whisper hush way, a lot of the time it's to do with booking agents and managers saying, you, if yeah, you want so my headliner <laughs> and you want this person, you've got to book this person to support I, and you've got to put this yeah. person on the lineup. And then it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and I yeah. think this is becoming like, don't get me wrong, like, I, I understand from like the business standpoint why I want to, because it's mm. going to make you money and it's a safe option. But realistically, like it just, it, it just kind of deadens things because I mean, I don't know about a lot of, people's like DJ sets and stuff like that. But when I do a DJ set, like I'm trying to like, I love like all the songs that I want to play and then I like, cause like, like I like pre air like know what I'm going to play because I get too nervous. I'm like, I'm going to forget stuff. But I feel yeah. like there's only so many like, times like a DJ or more of a producer will play and you're just going to hear the same old set like over and over again. If you're playing like, in, like the same city, like in the span of like a few months, it can be a bit like, yeah. well, that's a bit jarring. And that's what I think on last like, how are the people doing it? Cause I'm obviously I'm a bit like probably different from other DJs. A lot of people might mm. go on the fly. But I just think overall, uh, there just needs to be like a massive emphasis on like just pushing like newer stuff and just like more talent because there's so much and it's like there's only like a small pool of things. Mm. And I feel like event companies, promoters and booking agents are very much the ones to, it falls on. It's like, it's not the producer's fault, the DJ's fault, their game, but they're good. That's fine. But it's like, come on, there's so many people you could book. Why are you booking the same 20 or 30 people on your lineups? Yeah, um, well, I think, I think it, is, it is literally down to the booking agents thing. I, I, I kept saying this in the last episode, and I have got two booking agents and agents in the pipeline for get, jumping on an episode. And I'm not, I'm not going to grill them, but I do want to bring up this discussion because it's good to get both sides yeah. of the story, both sides of things. But a lot of people have been like, "Yeah, like, I can't obviously name names," but the amount of times that like these are these are like promoters and stuff that are like, I've put on an event, I want to book a headliner, and uh, the agent has come back 
pardon me, Jesus, I'm gassy today. I do apologize. <laughs> um, <laughs> the agent has come back and has been like, yeah, cool. You can book the headliner, but you need to have these two people on the support. And they're like, well, we don't really want those two artists on the support and we don't really want to have to yeah. pay for those two artists to support. And they're like, well, tough shit. Like if you want this headliner, it's there. So then it's like, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Cause you're like, oh, I really want to create this lineup, but I'm having to shell out an extra a grand to have two artists, which I don't really want to fill up the timeline because I want to book some other artists that will curate and be this sound. And then it's like, well, do you either go, no, I'm not booking them. And then obviously you've maybe ruined or damaged your relationship with the agent. And also you can't really create the asset you want, or then obviously you're feeding into them and you go, yeah, okay, fine. Fuck it. I'll bite the bullet. I'll book that headliner slot that I wanted. And then I'll have to take the two support acts on there. And that now means that I can't book the two support acts that I actually wanted to do yeah. and stuff like that. So it's just there. And then obviously they're thinking in their mind, like, right, I want to put on my event, but I've also got bills to pay. I've got like staff that I need to pay. So I need to generate it. And it's a business at the end of the day. And that's why it's sort of like such a, just so many like layers and so many bits and pieces in it, the music industry of being like, right, I need to keep this person happy. I need to keep these people happy. I need to keep the cost of the ticket down, but I still need to make profit. And I still need to do that, that. And it's just like, no wonder so many sort of like labels or booking agents or tickets or anything like that are sort of going fuck this like I'm not <laughs> I can't be asked well, with it it's a, it's a minefield <laughs> yeah I mean this is the thing like I've had a conversation with a friend before and we saw like an event space where like we're going to put a crazy line upon and we was like yeah. and I said and we both said no they're not <laughs> we just, yeah. and we guessed it and we was like we, was like, we just knew it wasn't going to happen and yeah. like I say there's no discredit to these places because again it is a business but you know, but anyway, enough of the negative. Like, there's actually something that I do want to highlight in this because uh, there's an event company that I like, two of my best mates, yeah. and they actually put on some of the every single time they put an event on, like the person yeah, after on. their event always blows up. So they had skin on skin last year, at yes, basement, oh. which is off, yeah. And where where was he playing? Sorry, in where, yes, basement. Oh, really? He was in yes, basement. Yeah. No so way, the boiler friends... room set of skin on skin is, is, so. is one of the best of this year. So, go on, what was their what are their label? What's the brand? So they're called Noir State and they are, they're like some of the people that I've always had respect for. Like yeah. we became friends because I was a fan of their like stuff they was putting out and they've got yeah. like great artwork and just really nice people. Like we're really close and everything. And every single time they put a lineup on, it's always special. It's like that's, they don't put loads of events on. They put maybe like three or four events on a year or something like yeah. that, but they really curate it. And every single time I've been to one of their events, I've never been disappointed. And all the artists who have played, I've always gone like a couple months after to do a huge thing. Mad. What's been the worst thing that's happened to you while playing live? You can be as open and honest or as uh, brutally honest as you like. I'm like 23 and I look, everyone says I look about 18. Like everyone, every, like every time I play with someone new, like, how old are you? I'm like, 23 to like, what? I'm like, yeah. What? And I remember I was like, it must have been about 19 at the time. And I was mm. opening for Hatcher and Casper uh, in Manchester. And I got pulled off the stage by security. Like, he was like, what are you doing? I was like, what are your ID? I was like, what? And he's like, you're not, you're not old enough. And I was like, yeah, I am. And I got my ID out of the driving license. Like, mate, yeah, I am. And he's like, what the fuck? And like, that's probably about the extent of it. Nothing really too oh, drastic happened, to be honest. That's, uh, not yet anyway. Right. That reminded me of what we were talking about before this uh, podcast as well. So we're both part of a, uh, a very exclusive, selective gang, uh, the Grey Fox Gang, where we've both been turning <laughs> grey before the age of like fucking 25 for our like yeah. lives. And uh, yeah, you, you, you mentioned you were starting turning grey when you were like, what, 15, 16? 14. 14. 14 that's pretty early i was yeah. about 16 like i'm wearing a hat at the moment my hair's fucked at the moment so i'm not going to take it off <laughs> on camera you don't look like you're particularly that gray but obviously when there's like lighting or when there's stuff like there like it is uh it's pretty serious <laughs> like, i've seen a couple of photos of you and i was like oh yeah he is like he has got loads of great hairs i have oh. as well fully embraced it like absolutely fully embraced it now it's different it's wicked but it does like you were talking about there if you've got a baby face but 
are starting to go great and stuff like that, it will really mess with people's heads and be like, well, I can't really work yeah. out what age this guy is. <laughs> and it's see mad because like in sunlight, especially like obviously summer sunlight, different yeah. sort of sunlight, it is like so grey. It's yeah. like I took, I've like got loads of photos on my phone of just me like with a beard, like sitting in my garden. Yeah, and you yeah, just yeah. see all oh, my hair is just really grey. I don't mind yeah. it. Like, no. I'd much rather be going grey than bald. But yeah. like, and nothing to go wrong with going bald, but you know, preference <laughs> yeah well gray hair you can sort of obviously dye bald hair unless you go over to turkey and get that hair transplant it's a bit more uh tricky to fix oh yeah uh, overnight and i just uh, i don't yeah, really like so that i did it when i was like 18 and it i probably it just, like oh, an see i like waited i, I waited i am um, i i didn't dye my hair until like a like i've been going gray i've been going gray and i was like yeah it's fine don't really worry about it don't really worry about it and i recently well i started a a, a new job when i was in 2020 and I was starting at a new place and it was like quite a big media place. I'm still there now, but I don't really want to mention it or whatever. But um went to go like literally it was like the week before I started. And I went to, it just so like happened that I went to I went to three separate shops and I swear on my life that every single time I went to the cashier, she went, Oh, I like your hair. And I was like, Oh, thanks. She went, Who dyed it? And I was like, No one. It's just natural. <laughs> and I was like, that's weird. Like it's a compliment, but fine. Literally went into the next shop, which was like TK Maxx, and the same person said it. I was like, What the fucking chance of that? That's weird. Literally went into then yeah. Tesco bought something and the woman said it and I was like right that's it I can't, I've got to dye my hair before I start this new job because if I die if I start and then like two weeks later I dye my hair it's very obvious that like that bloke's dyed his hair the new guy that's just died whereas if I dye it before I yeah. start no one knows me no one's done anything there and um and then like I dyed my hair it was darker and then I remember that, that like literally like four months later we went into lockdown so I've been like dying it just touching up touching up the beard or whatever we went into lockdown and I was like fuck this I'm not dying my hair I'm not tinting my beard anymore like I can't bother with it, whatever come back into the office 18 months later obviously like my hair is like gray properly gray and everyone's like fucking hell have you had a stressful lockdown I was what's going on and I was like what do you mean and they were like you've got loads of grey hairs and I was like oh no this is just my natural hair <laughs> this is just my natural yeah. hair like I just fucking dyed it the whole time and then they were like oh okay fair enough cool yeah, um, so happens yeah. I, I did it when I went to Bunny Jackson's a few weeks ago I was meeting a few friends I was yeah. the first one there and the bouncer's like who's dyed your hair mate I was like no one I'm grey went what the fuck's that about? I was like, what do you mean what's it about, man? Like, um, yeah, just, we just like, got to embrace it, mate. We got, we should, like, anyone in the music industry, we should have, like, a support group for like, everyone that's going grey. Who else is it? Um, yeah. uh, one man is definitely, like, the, yeah. there's DJs and artists where I used to look at and I was like, yeah, he's got grey hairs and he's not particularly old yet. So I remember one man being quite grey. I think Artwork um, has a couple of grey hairs um, and there was someone else that was, like, pretty grey. <laughs> Maybe Khan. I think Khan, like, is quite grey as well, like Khan and Neek, from, like, Khan from Khan and Neek. I'm pretty sure Neek died there grey, if I'm correct. Oh, is it Khan? Uh, I can't, I he's got the grey hair now. But yeah, I yeah, think it's I think it's Khan, uh, potentially, as it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think Lofa, Lofa's always had uh, pretty grey hair as well. Oh, yeah, so yeah. We're, we're in good stead. We're in good stead uh, in the is industry. <laughs> I don't mind it's it, man. I like it. Um, one thing just to finish up on, mate, we were talking about before the um, before the podcast uh, record, your new release coming out uh, December the 2nd. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's been a bit of a mad one, a bit of a turbulent journey for this to come out. So I've not released for like four-ish months, which okay. I found now is pretty normal as an artist not to release for that long because obviously you want things to like marinate. Mm-hmm. But um, I had like an EP ready, my debut EP, and we had like contract signed and everything to get pressed. And um, the company that was supposed to press it just completely ghosted me and just mm. lied to me pretty much about turnaround times and stuff like <laughs> oh, that. Oh, shit. Yeah, so it's been a bit of a weird one. And I made this track to open, uh, I think it was the no one set that I went back to back with Risha. And that was, I want to say March or April time. So it was a while ago. It's like six or seven mm. months old, this track. I just made it. 
and it's just like a proper energetic speed garage tune. I was like, yeah, it's great because it shouts out all the northern cities. I found a mm-hmm. sample of that. I was like, this is really cool. I just like that. And then mm-hmm. I was like, do you know what? I need to put a track out. And I was like, I really like that track. Let's put this one out. So I'm just really excited to finally get it out, to be honest, because it's been um, it's been like sort of shelved for quite a while. And it's nice yeah. to be like, oh, get it out. And I mean, the sport's been great on it. I've had like Scream, obviously, My New Link, India Jordan, DJQ, Zero, Gentleman's Club. Wicked. Loads of people supporting yeah. that. I can just name off the top of my head. And it's like, oh, great. I can finally get a track out. That is a bit more like the sort of newer stuff. But yeah, other than that, it's just, it's just. A, I think it's a cool track. Yeah, <laughs> just so December the 2nd. Really, right? Have we got a name for it? A whole tie is called December the 2nd. December the 2nd, out on Bandcamp yeah. and all other goods. Uh, will it be on Spotify and stuff as well for people to stream? Oh, yeah, too right. Lovely, lovely stuff. Adam, <laughs> mate, it's been a pleasure to chat to you today. Thanks very much for jumping oh. on um, and giving us a bit of background and info on your, obviously, roots, um, who you're supporting, who you think is obviously some people to check out. Um, some good advice for obviously upcoming producers and DJs as well and people in the music scene and obviously keeping it real as well about potentially some things that are like the worst part of the music scene that affect you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pleasure, man. Like, yeah. It's just, well, I mean, you know, I'd rather be honest about stuff and talk about things uh, openly because, you know, people, yeah. I think a lot of people suffer with that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of like, oh, it's normal. And that, you know, I don't, I wasn't me being like directing at anyone. It's just kind of like, no, no, no. Yeah. You can, you can feel a bit alone at times doing stuff. Yeah. But also at the same time, you get like a lot of support and this is the best thing ever. And then you go, oh, God, I feel rubbish. So that's it. But at the end of the day, Music's, music's all fun and that's the main thing for me. I'm having a lot more fun than any of the downfalls and the downfalls are very few and far between, let's put it that way. Man, I've told you once, I've told you twice, you're not on the list. All right, all right.